James pointed out at the start, the scripture reading is different to what's in the booklet. So we're looking this morning at Matthew um, chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Amy. Um, yeah, so for those that don't know me, my name is Jeremy, uh, and I got the privilege to share with you guys today. Um, it's always interesting when you get the last minute phone call to go, oh, someone's sick and you gotta fill in. And trying to, in that moment, go, oh, do I wanna hear from God? What should I share? Um, should I write something new? Should I do something I've done before? So I decided on Saturday morning, I would just head to the library, go put some worship music on and just kind of pray about um, what I should share today. Uh, and this is what has kind of come from that. Um, so I feel, feel probably a little bit unprepared compared to normal, um, but it's good to be here anyways. So we're gonna look at this rich uh, young man story or parable that's in the gospels. It's actually in three of the gospels, but there's a little bit difference in Matthew that actually kind of challenged my thinking. So we're gonna dive in, kind of break it down verse by verse and talk about it. Um, but I'm just going to pray before we get going. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you uh, for who you are and what you mean and for your son. Um, we know that this was a change uh, of direction for us uh, this Sunday, but we know that even in the changes, you can still work and speak and move. So we just pray that this is your words um, and whatever are your words, just go away. So bless this sermon and let it be for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to look in your Bibles, otherwise, I'm just going to kind of read and break down some of these verses as we go and just talk about it. Um, so verse 16 says, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? This sounds like a very noble question for any of us to ask. This sounds like a question I might ask, you know, God, what must I do? to have this eternal life. And I've read this story so many times, but I haven't noticed the difference in, in Matthew compared to some of the other Gospels. See, in the other Gospels it says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But in Matthew he says, what good deed must I do? Showing a different perspective of this young man. Maybe it meant the same thing in, in the other Gospels, but I think 
thinking of what good deed must I do? What can I do to gain eternal life myself? I preached about Sabbath a few weeks ago for those that were here, and I talked about this dilemma we can have, whether we're in ministry or, or we're a Christian person, uh, that we try to do for God rather than being with God. And we see this here right in the first verse of this rich young man uh, kind of story. What must I do? What deeds can I do rather than getting that free grace from God? So Jesus, as he is, rather than shutting the man down and probably giving him the right answers right away, plays along like he always does. And in verse 17, it says, And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. So Jesus kind of interacting with him. Why do you call me good? Knowing this is probably a religious person, you know, trying to, he's saying he's kept the commandments, you know. He's asking him the question, why, do you actually know who I am? Do you actually understand that I am the Son of God? He's checking the guy out. Do you actually believe the things about me, or are you just trying to do the activities to reach heaven? So he's trying to get the root of what's going on here. And he says, if you would enter, keep the commandments. And this gets an immediate response from this uh, rich young man. He said to him, which ones? And the more I listen to the story, the more I keep reading it, it's like, oh, this is probably a conversation I would have with Jesus. Like, if I was face-to-face -face with Jesus trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing, I would be like, okay, what do I do now? Where do I go? Which ones? So Jesus goes through the list with him, uh, continuing in verse 18. He, shall, he says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. All right, tick, tick, tick. Those are probably the big, easy ones. Honor your father and mother. Maybe a little bit more challenging at times. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Also probably a little bit challenging. And I want to give this man a little bit of a break. I think we can often read stories about this and go, oh, man, that guy just doesn't have it. And the more I read of these stories in the Bible, I'm like, oh man, I'm so similar to this person. The more I learn about God, the more I'm trying to search and understand in a deeper level. And this sounds like someone that's truly searching. That he has this picture in his mind of uh, this is how uh, I become a Christian or this is how I gain eternal life. But, but I just want to check in. I've been doing all the right, the good things. I've been doing all these right things. And in verse 20, he says, the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? If that doesn't sound like a question from someone who is searching, I don't know what does. I actually think that's a very honest and probably um, 
difficult question to ask of Jesus. That would be a question that I would caution myself to ask Jesus even now. God, what do I still lack? There's probably a long list of things that he could say. Oh, you still lack this, you still lack this. I once was told never ask, never pray to God for humility because you'll end up in a barrel and suspenders, you know? This is a brave question. What do I still lack? And in verse 21 and 22, Jesus points it out. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, this is a very different response than what you would see in Romans 10, 9, which is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, if, if someone came up to us from Perth, maybe we're staying at the Crown Towers and someone from the casino who's really well off comes up and asks, oh, what must I do to have eternal life? We're probably not saying go sell everything to the poor and follow Jesus. It's probably not the answer we're giving him. We're probably giving him the Romans 10.9. We're probably giving him the Sunday school answer. This just shows me that Jesus cares more about the heart. See, he's not looking for the perfect people. He's looking for the right intentions, the right heart, the right motivations and things. We even see that with the disciples that he chose uh, uh, to follow him. He didn't go out and choose, you know, these religious or the, the most influential people. He called simple people. He called fishermen. He called tax collectors. That he's more concerned with the heart. There was another story in the gospel uh, where someone asked a similar question about Jesus' kingdom. And, and in Luke 23, 39, we see Jesus on the cross. And Jesus is on the cross, and next to him are two other people on the cross that are getting punished correctly for the things that they have committed in life. And Jesus, being perfect, is on the cross, dying, but not having committed any wrongdoing. And in verse 39, it says, one of the criminals who was, were hanging there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other responded and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, that 
in the story of the, the religious man, he was doing the right things. He was trying to keep the commandments. He was trying to follow these things. I haven't committed a murder, not adultery. I haven't stolen, bear false witness. I honor my father and mother. I love my neighbor. But at the root of his heart, was he was really wealthy. He had a lot of money, and that was what he put probably more of his security in and more of his trust. But then you can see this guy here, who's probably not your typical uh, church person, you would say, who's dying on a cross, and in that moment, the heart sees Jesus for who Jesus is and calls out to him. You see, I think when we read the Bible sometimes, we can get really caught up in the black and the white of theology. Where I think there's more of a heart issue, and as we grow older and as we grow more mature in our faith, we should be able to hold tensions between things. Most of you know we have a three and a three-year-old, three years, seven months. Um, boy named Boaz. And Boaz is a kid, so we talk to him very black and white. Right? He's not allowed to cross the street without holding our hands. We have a park across the road. He can't just go to the park by himself. That's a safety thing for him. That's because he doesn't quite understand. But as he grows up, Boaz will learn that he can cross the street by himself. Boaz will be able to understand the tension of safety of crossing the street and being able to look both ways. There's a heart condition for us. If we just go black and white with everything, I think we miss the bigger picture of what God's trying to do. See, God truly looks at the heart. So that's why with the rich young man and the thief on the cross, the answer who inherits the kingdom of God? Who can receive eternal life is very different. Because it comes down to the heart. Maybe you're hearing this and you need to check in with your own heart. Where are you at? What's kind of been ruling your life lately? Maybe today is just a, 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 a check-in to check that, that compass of where things are going. And I think sometimes we can read a story of a rich young man and we go, oh, we're not rich. So I like looked up a study this week and I was like, what do people consider rich nowadays? And it was an American study. So Americans see someone as rich if you make $2.2 million annually, which is 3.3 million Australian dollars. I think we all would say that's rich. Um, and I agree that is very rich, don't get me wrong. Um, but I was like, let's see how Australia rates on the, the richness scale. So I looked at something, um, there's a company called Credit Suisse, and they put out a global wealth report each year to kind of look at kind of that scale of who's rich in the world. And, um, and Australia ranks number one in the world when it comes to the median wealth per adult in the country. So what median wealth means, it's not an average of everyone's, 
wages, but it's like if we look at a thousand wages and we put the top 500 up here and the, the bottom 500 and look at that median kind of price, that's what they mean by that. So it's sort of like an average, but not quite. We rank number one in the world. So I think we can put ourselves in that same category as the rich man. I think there's a lot of us that would own multiple cars, that have a house. And on a global scale, maybe not in Australia, we don't see ourselves as rich, but on a global scale, we are probably the rich of the world. And the theology of work commentary puts it this way, specifically talking about this chapter. Um, it says, is our treasure in our work, our jobs, our performance, and our skills, our super funds? These are good things, gifts from God in their place. But they are secondary to seeking the, first the kingdom of God and a right, righteous relationship with God and with others. We hold our wealth and our work on an open palm, lest like the rich young man, we end up turning away sorrowfully from God. See, I think we don't like to, to put ourselves in that rich category. The rich is someone over there. But I still think there is this sense within us, too, that we are the rich. And I think living this Christian life, we, we need to check ourselves and, and check that we are focused on God first. And those things are good. Don't get me wrong. It's good to be secure. Um, we need money to run this place to make the ministry happen here. But if that's the thing we're finding security in, we're just like that rich young man. There are two other parables that came to my mind uh, when Jesus uses the same idea of selling everything, like he said to the rich young man. In Matthew 13, there's two back-to-back -back, uh, in verses 44 through 46. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in the field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It'd be like you walked into a field looking around and then you spotted that there's oil coming up from the field. And you're like, I'm gonna make tenfold on this field. And Jesus is saying, that's the same as what the kingdom of God is like. That it's so valuable that, that you'd be willing to sell everything just to have this. And then he talks about, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, I think we can hear that first passage of the rich young man and it's like, oh, he's doing everything right. That's a pretty harsh response to telling him to sell everything. But I think it all comes down to actually our view on the kingdom of God, our view on eternal life. What is worth eternal life in our perspective? Would it be worth us selling everything we had if we knew we could gain it that way? Is that how worth it is?
The only true value in this world is to, to, uh, to fill, fill us is our relationship with God and with others. But I think oftentimes we get that mixed up and we don't live like it. We probably put more stock in things like work and wealth and, and making sure security and security helps us with those relationships. And Jesus is not saying that the way to gain eternal life is to sell everything. Luckily, he has given up his son as a free grace to us that we can know him. That like that Romans 10.9 verse, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. But it's about the priority. It's about that compass too. You see, just saying the words and not living it Putting other things in front of who Jesus is is not, not the way to follow him. So I think today I'm just going to close in prayer and invite the band back up. Um, so if we just close our eyes, maybe today the whole purpose with everything changing with this Sunday was just for us to have a, a compass check of our hearts. For us to go, God, is this, do I have my motivations correct? Am I putting my faith and trust in the right things? Or have I put things above you in place of security, in place of relationships? Maybe we just need to check where we are. Let's just pray. Dear God, just, you know our hearts. You know the things that we value. And Lord, sometimes it looks like we value other things other than you. Because that's where we put our time, that's where we put our funds, that's where we put our resources into. Lord, today we just pray for each and every person in this room. Pray for myself that we can have a check-in with making sure the main things are the main things. With making sure that we actually want to live for you. That we want our lives to reflect that. We want our resources to reflect that. We want our time to reflect that, Lord. And we know that you care more about our heart than us giving you the right answer, Lord. So we just pray that as we check in with our hearts today, that you will just know us in a deeper level and challenge us if we need to be challenged. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll stand and sing in the same place.